the isolation sessions. The following piece has a content warning for adult language. ISOL by Nick Maynard. Performed by Kelly Condron. ISOL. Isolation. It's what they do these days with the bad kids at school. They put them in isolation so they can't have any contact with anybody else. It gives them time to think and reflect on what they've done. I think coronavirus is like nature's way of sending us to our room to reflect on what we've done. There's this prison in America, Eastern State Penitentiary, in Philadelphia, born and raised. Fresh Prince? It doesn't matter. It was once the most famous and expensive prison in the world when it opened, and it once held some of the most notorious criminals in American history, including Mr Scarface himself, Al Capone. And when it opened in 1829, the penitentiary had refined a revolutionary system of separate incarceration. This emphasised the principles of reform rather than punishment, encouraging separate confinement as a form of rehabilitation, the cells the prisoners lived in were made of concrete with only a single glass skylight in the wall. This was called the eye of God, suggesting that he was always watching. The cell doors were purposefully small, so the prisoners had to bow before entering, showing reverence. The thick metal doors to each cell were covered by a second heavy wooden door. This was to filter out the noise, to leave you alone with your own thoughts and prayers. Outside the cells were individual areas for exercise, enclosed by high walls so prisoners couldn't communicate with one another. Exercise time was synchronised so no two prisoners would be out at the same time. And whenever they left their cells, they would always be accompanied by a guard who would place a hood over their heads to stop them recognising their fellow inmates. Prisoners went mad. Some tried to commit suicide and others tried to escape. The practice was abandoned in the 1880s in favour of hard labour. It turns out humans aren't good at being isolated. So, a hundred years later, in the 1980s in Staffordshire, England, the county council decided to adopt a behaviour management policy in some of its children's homes called Pindown. This involved isolating children, sometimes for weeks and months on end. Deprived of clothing and footwear, it was similar to lockdown in prison. And the children, they were kept in solitary confinement with little furniture and sometimes no bedding, with no conversation and just repetitive activities to keep them occupied. Often food or water or toilet paper was withheld from the children. Sometimes they weren't even allowed to go to the toilet at all. Personal possessions were confiscated and access to the television and music and magazines, books. Visitors weren't allowed. After six years, the practice of pin-down ended. It turns out humans still aren't that good at being isolated. That's because human beings are social animals. They need human contact. They need to be entertained and stimulated, or <laughs> it sends them crazy. They hallucinate and, and paranoia sets in, and just because it isn't real doesn't make it not real. East Penn and Staffordshire Council proved that. 
Remember that show on Channel 4 where they locked people in porter cabins for five days? One had a meltdown after just four hours with herself. It's because you've got nothing to distract you but you. And some of us can't dig deep enough and get through it because, well, there's nothing there to dig. We're too shallow. It's just a thin layer of topsoil and the rest is granite. Nothing grows there, it just withers and dies. The Hermit is the ninth tarot card in the Major Arcana. It depicts an old man carrying a staff in one hand and a lit lantern with a six-pointed star in the other. When this card is drawn, it suggests a period of introspection, a time to look for answers within. Reversed. It's a card of withdrawal. Exile. Sadness. In the old days, religious prophets went into the wilderness to live like hermits, to contemplate their souls. Elijah, Elisha, John the Baptist, Jesus, the Buddha, all taking stock of what they had and what they'd lost. Thinking about who they were and what was important to them. Alone with yourself, you soon realise having a sharp mind isn't necessarily a good thing. Not like this, not with nothing to occupy it. It just ends up turning on itself, harming, overthinking to a point of complete psychosis, thinking about what you've done and what you haven't done and what you'd like to do and what you didn't do and the things you'd change and how that would have, might have, should have, could have changed you. I spent my life purposefully running so this wouldn't happen. I made it like this. There is nothing in my life that I can't walk away from or run away from. There's nothing in this room that I can't fit into the back of my car and drive away with. I have no possessions as such, no photos, no holiday albums or boxes of memories stored under the bed for when I'm old. It's monastic. I go out to get away from the emptiness of it all. I party until I can't remember how lonely it all is and then I come back and I do it all again. My life is filled with nothing of any real worth. I could say it was because my mother was or my father wasn't, but ultimately it is me that has done this. I am responsible for the way that I have become and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow... The sun'll come out tomorrow, so you've gotta hang on till tomorrow. Come what may, tomorrow, tomorrow. I love you tomorrow. You're always a day away. And before you know it, you're too far away. You, you're drifting on a sea of despair, looking for land with no hope of rescue, their flesh getting weaker by the hour. We split up because they wanted more and I wanted less. That freedom of not being committed to anyone or anything or not wanting that feeling of being trapped. And now, ironically, I am alone trapped. My nan, she always said that one day I'd throw away the moon reaching for the stars. I think she could be right. What if I've missed the one 
because I've been too busy focusing on the many. All those disposable lives I've dumped into human landfill. None of them seeming worthy of my investment. All just discarding memories of people that I hope I never meet again. All brought about by some sort of sense of millennial entitlement. Knowing I deserve better because that's all I've ever been told by everyone and everything I've ever met or bought. I am better than this is my mantra. As I pick up another ready-made Ikea flat-pack relationship. I don't bother with the instructions. It's not my fault it's not going together easily. This should be intuitive, right? And that bit that's left over. That's contentment. I should have worked out where it went. Well, I was too eager to show it off to my friends, all shiny and new. I say friends. They're more like adversaries. But the thing still works. It still looks good. And, and what if it does fuck up after a few months? I'll get a new one. I'll be bored of it by then anyway. And that bit that I left out. Instead of throwing it away, I keep it. Because it's important. And I know it's important. So I put it in the drawer with all the other leftover bits of broken crap I've ruined. With all the old screws and keys to things I've lost years ago. And at the end of the day, what's it all for? This life. If you don't share it with someone. I am an eyesore. And some humans are still pretty shit at being on their own. <laughs>